2023 NBA Rookie of the Year edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. Welcome on everybody to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is June the 27th, currently 12:10 Central Time, 108 on the East Coast. Here to dig in some more off-season stuff. We had some trades that transpired. This Chris Paul trade from the Wizards to the Warriors. We also had the John Collins trade that went down. Uh, between the Hawks and the Jazz. And we're also going to dig in to our 2023 NBA Rookie of the Year picks. Very early picks here. But joining me, help me to break it all down. I got my guys here with me. First off, it's Lante Smith. Lante, what's going on, my man? What's up, man? Not much. Uh, looking forward to breaking it down with you guys. Uh, spending a few time going through all these summer league rosters, uh, making some power ratings so we can make some money on, on that whenever it transpires. But outside of that, man, looking forward to the show. Yeah, man, a lot of the a lot of the stuff or a lot of the news is starting to go down in the NBA with trades and free agency starting right around the corner. But um, you know, the league that it's a league that never sleeps. So uh definitely looking forward to digging into it. Also, we got Scott Studio Rachel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Nothing much. I just finished recording a WNBA show. Uh besides that, been sweating out tennis all morning. Sweating. Won my dog for the tennis podcast. Shout out to Feliciano say. Lopez. But yeah, still sweating out the lock, though. Uh, Son ago might have punted that first set, so we'll see what happens. But either way, uh, looking forward to going through the Rookie of the Year odds, going through the trades. Should be fun. Yeah, we can start with the trades, and then we'll work our way to uh, the NBA Rookie of the Year uh, odds here. Um, let, let's just start with the first trade that went down between the Washington Wizards and the Golden State Warriors. We had... CP3 and Jordan Poole getting traded. The exact trade details um, I am pulling up here. So pretty much it was Jordan Poole and a handful of uh, second-round picks being sent over to the Washington Wizards for the services of uh, Chris Paul, uh, now headed to the um, Golden State Warriors. So let me see the exact trade here. So the exact trade was... The Wizards received Jordan Poole, Ryan Rollins, a 20-30 first-round pick that's protected and a 20-27 second-round pick to the Washington Wizards. And in exchange, the Warriors receive the uh, services of Chris Paul. Um, Guys, we can kind of talk about, I guess, first, I think we kind of saw that or prior to last season with the whole Jordan Poole and Draymond Green thing kind of going down with a punch and everything that, that may have rattled their season. I know we talked a lot during the regular season about how this team was a really bad road team, um, and they just weren't able to get it done in the NBA playoffs. Now, I don't know if it was just a championship hangover or they just looked older or whatever the case might have been, but or it was the friction in the locker room between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. Uh, but at the end of the day, I kind of feel like in the offseason that it was going to be that either Jordan Poole or Draymond Green was going to leave this Golden State Warriors team. As of right now, that is Jordan Poole. Uh, we still have some reports and rumors saying that 
Draymond Green and Golden State are in works of a new contract. I know Sacramento are trying to make a run at uh, Draymond Green as well, but we get initial thoughts here that we can kind of talk about the fit for uh, each player on their respective teams here. But Lante, let me start with you. Uh, CP3 headed to the Warriors. Jordan Poole now headed to the Washington Wizards. What was your kind of reaction when you heard about this trade? Uh, actually, I was kind of shocked uh, because Chris Paul technically doesn't fit the the Golden State mantra. I mean, they want to play, you know, more up uh, upbeat and with pace. Chris Paul is more of a, uh, you know, half-court maestro, uh, wants to – I mean, I wouldn't say he walks it up, but he's not in a hurry to, to get into the offense. So I think that is a, a clash of styles. But – if anybody can adjust, um, I, I think it's Chris Paul. Uh, Golden State doesn't – they haven't had a, like, table setter of, of sort. Um, usually Draymond does a lot of the ball handling, um, Steph to a certain degree. So in that sense, I think it could work with him being able to set up those guys and, and Steph and Clay being able to, you know, not have to do everything off the bounce, uh, especially Steph. So um, – it's gonna be interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people are like out on the fit, and I and I get it. It's not it's not a great fit, but again, the last time we seen Golden State with a I guess true point guard or like a table setter was maybe Sean Livingston. I think I want to say, and I thought he did a, a really good job of getting those guys involved. Although he was more so with the second unit um, when he was when they meshed those um, those units together, I thought he did a solid job. But all in all, man, I'm excited to see how Steve Kerr makes it work. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, what they do with Draymond. Um, I'm assuming I'm probably about 75% sure that he's coming back. Uh, I don't think they're going to. I think it's, it had to be one or the other, and they got rid of Poole, um, as you alluded to, with the with the punch. Um, I mean, Poole's probably going to average like 25, 26 a game, so he's going to be a good fantasy player. You mean points yeah. or shots? Both. Okay. Yeah, both. So <laughs> he's uh, so I think I think it's going to be interesting to see how Golden State um, works with with this unit. Uh, I think they're not done making moves, uh, just depending on if they want to move Kaminga and uh, I guess maybe Moody as well. I guess it just depends on how all in they want to go. But all in all, man, I thought it was a, a questionable move, but I, I can see the, the pros of it also. Uh, Scott, thoughts? Uh, but I didn't mind it for either team. Simply put, Golden State needed somebody to control the second unit. We saw how bad they were when Curry was on the bench last year, and Poole was the main person leading the second unit, and he's not exactly known for getting his teammates involved. And with the questionable decision-making there, it wasn't a total shock that Golden State's second unit was a mess all season long. Now, the problem you might run into is the fact that when Curry was injured, Poole did a good job filling in for the starting lineup. So I guess the question is if Chris Paul can do the same, if Golden State's going to have to try to switch up the pace that they use for the second unit because Chris Paul plays slower. But once again, you're not expecting Chris Paul to be normal Chris Paul because he's past his prime. I feel like his expectations are pretty low, and I feel like that's fine because they're expecting him to simply put be a backup point guard. And there's no shame in that. And I do think that once again, you can argue maybe Chris Paul ego-wise – won't be able to accept the smaller role. I disagree with that. I think he's fully ready to try to win a title. I'm not saying Golden State's good enough to win a title, but I do think that he's aware of what he's expected to do. He's a professional, and I think that he'll come in and try to control the second unit, provide some leadership and mentorship towards the younger players. And once again, he's a high basketball IQ guy. Whether you like him or not, 
He's one of the highest basketball IQ players to ever play the game. So I do think that he's going to be able to help out. He'll be able to make some plays. He'll probably miss some games because of injury, because of Chris Paul we're talking about. But if the question is, what's his role for the team? And do I like the acquisition for Golden State? I understand it because you can't rebuild. You have Curry towards the end of his career. They're going to bring Draymond back. They're, I'm yeah. 100% sure they're bringing Draymond back. There's no way he's going. They'll pay him what he wants. But anyway, the point is they can't blow it up. They got the core in place. They have to tinker with the rest of the of the actual roster. And saving money from Poole's bad contract definitely makes sense. So I understand the argument for Golden State. Even if Chris Paul doesn't pan out, at least you don't have to pay Jordan Poole. As for Washington, I like the move too. Because if there is a team that's going to be able to take the risk of overpaying Jordan Poole, it's a team with nothing to play for for the next X amount of years. And Washington's in a rebuild. So they have a chance to flip value for a young asset in pool, rebuild his confidence, have him put up some massive scoring numbers, and then maybe flip him a couple years down the road. But overall, I didn't mind the trade. I think the Wizards actually might be the biggest winner so far this offseason. I like a lot of what they did, to be honest. Getting rid of all the salary cap stuff or issues with Beal and Porzingis. Now they have roster flexibility. Of course, they cash Moon off a top 10 bet in the NBA draft. Uh, but the point is, I do think, once again, the Wizards are a team that has made a lot of really bad decisions for a long time, which is why yep. they've not won anything in arguably ever. But the, the point is, I do like what they've done this offseason. I like the move for the Wizards and really for Golden State in general. But if I had to grade the winner of the trade, I'm picking the Wizards because they cursed Paul for two days and they turned it into Jordan Poole. Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Scott, about what you said. I think it makes sense for both teams. Um I think you hit the nail on the head that at this point of uh, Chris Paul's career that he kind of knows that, hey, he's going to be in that kind of backup point guard role. Maybe he does become a starter. They have yeah, I was like, you don't think he'll start? You don't think he'll – I mean, I don't, I don't know either, but I mean – I think I, that he'll well, start. It's going to be Curry and Clay, right? I mean, that, that's a given. That's yeah, but I mean, you could play Draymond. You could play Draymond at the five. He, I thought he never starts at the five, though. Usually, no, no. I mean, he he doesn't. But again, they they going to use had, Looney at the five. Yeah, well, Looney's I mean, they still there. Is Looney yeah, still, still there? Yeah, yeah, Looney's still there. Yeah. yeah, so Looney's still going to be starting, and then they're going to do their normal small ball center situation late in games. Paul's coming off the bench. Yeah, my thing yeah, is, I thought maybe they he'll be... close. They'll yeah. give him an Anu role, and he'll just close as a yeah. bench player. But to start the games, no, he's coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, you, that lineup is two non-shooters with Draymond and, and Looney. I think that really hindered them in, in that series. Yeah. That's um, only to start. They're going to bench Looney at the end of games. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think that for CP3, is probably going to end up playing, what, 23, 25, maybe 28 minutes per night. I mean, you're not expecting a lot of him out of him at this juncture of his career. Like, CP3 is not the CP3 of five, six years ago, right? Like, Scott, you mentioned, like, he's going to know his role in this team. But I think it's really more important about, you know, him, them having another leader in that locker room. You know, I think Steph Curry had to be that kind of that guy over the past several seasons. Now you're bringing a guy like CP3 who's kind of been a leader all of, all of his career wherever he's been as far as his playing career goes. And again, another extension of the coach on, on the, uh, on the floor. Now he's probably is going to close out some games um, again, depending on the matchups and you have now Steph Curry that can play off the ball. Um, it'll be interesting what the starting lineup is going to be for the uh, Golden State Warriors. And again, I do agree that they were able to get off of this Jordan pool contract who just had an, an abysmal season last season. Now he gets to go to the Wizards and kind of be himself and, and you know be that free spirit and and do what he does on the offensive side of the basketball. But 
Um, yeah, I thought that, it makes that, sense. That's code word for big stats, bad team yeah. type of player. Um, and, you know, get up as many shots as he wants. I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting up 20 to 25 shots per game for the Washington Wizards. And um, he should have I'll the green light. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, he's going to have the green light for sure uh, with the Washington Wizards. And um, for the Warriors, I think there's still moves to be made for sure. Uh, but again, like, uh, you know, you guys mentioned, I don't hate the, uh, move for the, um, wizards, uh, sorry for the warriors. I they did need a backup point guard, uh, for the, uh, wa- uh, sorry for the golden state Warriors in that second unit. Uh, guys, before we continue the conversation here, let me tell everyone about, uh, the newest sponsor on the sports gambling podcast network. And that is going to be bird dogs. Bird dogs, uh, makes you look good. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon's, but fit way better. It's summertime, you know, whether you're going to be poolside or whether you're going to be traveling uh, during the summer with friends and family, you're going to a, a very hot part of the country, whether that's down south or whether that's in another part of the world, and you need some nice shorts or you need some nice swimming trunks where they're to Cancun, Cabo, or those tropical areas, you need to check out Bird Dog's. Um, they're also giving uh, a special offer right now, but it's only if you use promo code pool. That's P-O-O-L. They'll throw in a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. You got to go to birddogs.com slash pool. And again, enter that promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, guys. Any other thoughts for the uh, CP3 Warriors and the Wizards trade, guys? Well, just to briefly mention what I think the starting lineups or whatever is going to be for Golden State. Mm-hmm. Curry's going to start a point guard. Clay's going to start a shooting guard. Wiggins going to start at small forward. Draymond's going to start a power forward. And Looney's going to start at center. Closing lineup, same exact thing. But Looney's going to be on the bench and Chris Paul's going to be in the game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Lance, anything else? No, no, good. All right, so another trade that did transpire yesterday, and this was rumored to happen uh, for several seasons now, especially during the um, around the trade deadline, but just kind of never transpired. But the Atlanta Hawks, they finally end up trading John Collins to the Utah Jazz. In return, they get Rudy Gay and a handful of picks. And I think this is more of a trade for the Atlanta Hawks of, again, getting off of uh, the contract of John Collins and giving him a lot of uh, financial flexibility to improve the roster, whether that's around Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. But, um, and I think this really gives a formidable front court to the Utah Jazz as well. But, Scott, let me start with you on this one. Uh, John Collins headed to the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gay and a handful of picks. Yeah, I feel like the main theme of the offseason so far is teams unloading bad contracts for minimal return and then social media is outraged by what they got and they're like how did they get him so cheap it's it's because his contract is that bad it's not that complicated that's just Mm kind of how it goes and especially with the changing salary cap and the whole structure with the cba you're going to see a lot of these contracts being unloaded for potentially minimal returns but the return is cap space that's the main i'd say uh asset you're getting back in return but Mm -hmm. for the sake of this trade I don't mind it for either team. I just said that Atlanta wanted to clear cap space. I'm not sure what they're going to do with it, but they did create a massive trade exception, which they could use uh, later on. So we'll see what they can do. They also traded away a bunch of picks for DeJounte Murray, though. So once again, I'm not sure what Atlanta can do, but we'll see. The point is Collins really wasn't doing much for that team. He had a bad year. He had a couple of good games at the end of that playoff series against Boston, but for the most part, complete non-factor, and he was drastically overpaid. And to go through his contract here, 
five years, 125 million. He's currently in year uh, three of that deal. Year five is a player option for 26 and a half million. So we'll see if he accepts that or not. As for Utah, yes, I know they inherit a bad contract. On the other hand, though, Utah never gets any free agents at all. So they don't use any of the cap space that they ever have. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind it for Utah. They got a player that has some offensive firepower, a guy that can be a lob threat, a guy that can give them maybe a little bit of scoring in the post, maybe. We'll see. But I don't mind the trade for Utah either because it's a low-risk trade. They gave up Rudy Gay, who I'm sure most people forgot was still in the league at this point. And you're looking at what Utah is going to do with Collins. They can experiment because they have some options. And in reality, once again, when you're a small market team, when you're Utah, Oklahoma City has a whole plethora of picks. But you're looking at Portland, for example, a bunch of these smaller destinations. Nobody wants to go play for your city or state. Nobody wants to play in Mormon country. No offense. But I just feel like when you're looking at what Utah was supposed to do, and you could argue it's a bad contract, Utah was going to have a bunch of cap space, and nobody was going to go there, ever. Nobody wants to go to Utah. Look at their history of free agents. They don't sign anybody. Same thing with Portland. Same thing with Milwaukee, to be honest. The only difference was they got Giannis through the draft, and now suddenly they're an attractive destination, kind of. But for Utah, it makes sense because they got a guy with some upside, a guy that has some talent, and most importantly, cap space for them is a little bit overrated because nobody wants to travel to live in Utah. Yeah, I mean, Utah, I think that has created one of the formidable front courts. I mean, you we talked about Laurie Marketing a lot during the regular season, how great of a season he was having for the Utah Jazz. Walker Custer was a very nice surprise uh, for the Utah Jazz as well. Now you add John Collins to that mix as well. They had a pretty good draft as well. I know they picked up Taylor uh, Taylor Hendricks. You still have Colin Sexton, Jordan uh, Clarkson on this team. So it's going to be a fun team to watch. And again, like we mentioned, it, again, it's a lot about creating that cap flexibility for some of these teams to get off of these bad contracts where you get pretty much have to trade it for some peanuts uh, uh, for like these contracts they are unloading. Uh, like this trade, I think this is a great example of that. And also, I think that there was a logjam at the um, – in the front court for the Atlanta Hawks as well. I know Jalen Johnson was, you know, in the second half of the season really came on for them. Um, Sadiq Bay they traded for. They still had DeAndre Hunter. Clint Capella maybe on the move as well, uh, possibly from the rumors that I'm, I'm reading about. And they still have Nyeke Okongwu in that front court as well. So it seemed like that with the bad contract that John Collins was going to be the odd man out. And now maybe he does have a role with this Utah Jazz team with Lori Markinen and uh, Walker Kessler in that front well, court. Well, you so. mentioned a log jam. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's a log jam or they just wanted more spacing because you just mentioned a bunch of small forwards compared to Collins. And the problem last year, Collins really forgot how to shoot. Mm-hmm. So there was no spacing on the floor entirely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that maybe this creates an opportunity for Jalen Johnson. I, I really do. I think that, you know, yeah. last season when he was starting to get minutes, he was really starting to take advantage of uh, it for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, currently they do have him slated in that starting spot, but maybe it might be Sadiq Bay that's going to be in that starting spot. But we'll see uh, what it kind of transpires when we get to the season. But Lante, thoughts on this, John? Collins straight over to Utah. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off both of you guys, I, I liked it for both sides. Um, I, I, you mentioned the large jam. I, I think that's – that was a big part of why Atlanta was as inconsistent as they were. Um, Collins is more so of a, a slasher. Um, you know, he's got a he's got a nice like post hook, uh, like mid range is is okay. But I think he's better whenever he can get the ball and get downhill. 
being that he had some of those guys in that lineup, he wasn't able to basically cater to his skill set. So I think in Utah, he'll be able to do that with Laurie uh, on the outside. He's got some of those guards. I like some of those rookies. Um, I was actually kind of hoping that, you know, that he didn't go there because I was looking at Keontae George for, for rookie of the year um, for that wing spot for Utah. But I, I think he's going to be a good piece for them. He's athletic. Um, he's a decent defender. Uh, and like I said, I think it'll be a change of scenery. He's been hearing about trade rumors probably since he got drafted um, in Atlanta. So maybe a new scenery will help him out. Offensively, he's got to shoot the ball better. Scott uh, mentioned it. I think he'll be fine with that. More so was forcing a lot of shots being that, um, he was just sitting in a corner or in a dunker spot. I mean, waiting on the pick and roll from Trey. That's never fun. Just sitting there watching a the guy dribble for you know, 16, 17 seconds at the shot clock. But uh, yeah, I like it for both sides. Um, Atlanta opened up a mid-level if I was reading it right from, from Bobby Mark. So they might be able to go after, you know, maybe a, a Kyle Kuzma type guy, uh, Bruce Brown, you know, connect to somebody that can shoot, um, handle the ball. So I like it for both sides, man. Uh, I, I think Utah is going to be really, really intriguing going into next season. I'm, I'm worried about that backcourt a, a little bit. But outside of that, man, I, I think I like it for both sides. Uh, Atlanta opening up that cap space for, I guess, to sign DeJounte and um, extend maybe Trey or, or whatever the case may be. But I think both sides ended up being winners here. Yeah, I agree. And again, some of these trades are, like, I mean, Scott mentioned at the top of the show that the casual fans are thinking, oh, they got them for so cheap, but it's really about the clap, the cap flexibility that some of these teams are creating for themselves um, to maybe, you know, sign existing players or, or try to bring in uh, some other players to kind of fill out their roster. But again, this is going to be a big year for the Atlanta Hawks. I know they've kind of underperformed. Um, a big year or, in terms of importance. I don't think they're going to be good, just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll see um, what happens with this Atlanta Hawks team. But I think, you know, Utah last season got off to that red hot start and it kind of regressed back to the mean. But they do have some players on this roster um, that will definitely help them build towards the future, being a at least a uh, playoff contender in the upcoming years. Um, all right, guys, before we get over to the NBA Rookie of the Year betting odds, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is officially here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get uh, get down on your favorite MLB props. And so many ways to win over on Underdog and Underdog Fantasy. They're active in so many different states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com using promo code SGPN. All right, guys, now that the draft is in the books, we can start looking at some 2023 NBA Rookie of the Year betting picks and betting odds. Um, I'll kind of start at the top here with where we're at as far as um, where the odds are currently sitting at. Obviously, we know that uh, Victor Winbanyama is the favorite right now at a minus price of I think it's around 200, 225, depending on your book. Currently over at DraftKings at minus 225. Um, and then it goes down to Scoot Henderson at plus 350, Chet Holmgren plus 450, Brandon Miller plus 950, uh, Amen Thompson 14 to 1, Cam Whitmore 20 to 1, uh, Stuart Thompson 22 to 1, uh, Jarris Walker 25 to 1, Anthony Black 30 to 1, Taylor Hendricks, 35 to 1, Grady Dick, 35 to 1. And I'll start up at Kaysen Wilson, uh, sorry, Kaysen Wallace at 40 to 1. I kind of went back and did some digging and uh, looked at the last 10 winners of the Rookie of the Year award. 
And of the last 10, eight out of the last 10 winners were uh, selected in the top 10. The uh, two outliers or one outlier was Malcolm Brogdon. He was picked in the second round with the 36th overall pick. And then uh, Michael Carter Williams 10 years ago uh, was the 11th pick. Um, I forgot he won rookie of the year. That's a throwback. Yeah, and then um, eight of the ten last winners were within the first four picks uh, of the NBA draft, and then six out of the last ten have been – sorry, six straight winners have been uh, in the top four picks. So last year, Paolo Pancaro, first overall, going back to that prior season, Scotty Barnes, fourth, LaMelo Ball, third overall, John Morant, second overall, Luca. Uh, was picked third overall. I know we uh, he got traded from Atlanta over to Dallas, and then Ben Simmons uh, was the first overall pick. I believe that was the year he sat out, and then he won uh, the following season. Yeah, he won the year after, and there were memes that he was going to win it every year. Yes, and that kind of puts a a great segue into what Chuck Holmgren is sitting at because, again, he missed uh, the last year with the injury that he suffered at the Pro-Am. He's currently sitting at plus 450. Lante, why don't you lead us off? I know you did the heavy draft coverage. Uh, what kind of stuck out to you as far as uh, rookie of the year uh, odds uh, for this upcoming season? Yeah, so um, don't bet Wimby. Uh, that's number one. It's, yep. That's just too it's too risky to tie up your money for uh, damn near a year. Um, so, uh, Lante, let me uh, preface this. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think the, well, I think we need to mention that the, the, there's a new rule now uh, in the uh, NBA for there's a qualification. Um, for the upcoming season. Um, So I think you have to play, I think it's 65 games minimum um, for uh, for you to win the award. Uh, Let me quickly, yeah, so it's players who want to be eligible for awards such as MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, have to play a minimum of 65 games for the upcoming season. So uh, I should have mentioned that before we started. And it also says, uh, but players also must play at least 20 minutes um, across those 65 games at minimum. Right. Yeah, and I think that's key as, as to why you shouldn't bet Wimby. Uh, yeah. I mean, not saying he, he's going to get hurt, but again, you have to take it into consideration and also take into the franchise that he's going to who created load management. So yeah. I'm pretty sure they're going to want him to be, you know, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a, a basically a, um, What's it called? It's gonna. It's not gonna be a sprint. It's gonna be a marathon with him. So I'm assuming they're gonna bring him along strong. I mean, uh, slow. And I just think that two, minus two twenty five is just ridiculous um, to bet right now. Um, after the draft, I will say there's a sports book that put up him plus two fifty, like an odds boost. I did bet that a, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, just just because I mean, at plus odds, uh, what the market is currently is just, you know, uh, I think that was a good bet, but overall in this race, I think it's probably like a five, six, six guy race. Anybody else would, would just be, you know, a dart throw, which I mean, anything can happen. Uh, my favorite bet honestly is, is Brandon Miller at plus nine fifty, Um, and, and I'll take, I guess some scenarios of how I see it playing out is I think he's probably the going to be the leading scorer in in this class as far as points per game. That's number one. He's in a smaller market, um, so you know he's going to get the attention with Lamelo. He's in the Eastern Conference, whereas Wimby's in the West. Um, the twin, well, uh, the higher value twin is in the West with a, a bunch I'm of in. yeah, yeah, with a bunch of different players on the team. Who so who knows how many shots he's going to get or what his impact he's going to be on the game. Um, Chet is on a loaded team, I think. So I'm not sure how many opportunities that he'll be able to get, uh, especially, I mean, defensively, I'm sure he'll be fine. But again, he's coming off an injury. How good is he going to be right away? 
so maybe some opportunity to get him, you know, earlier. I mean, later on in the season. But I mean, just going by just going by each dude, I think Brandon Miller at plus nine fifty is is a good bet. Um, he's going to get volume shot attempts. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Miles Bridges, but even if he does come back, he'll still be Brandon Miller still be in the starting lineup and being able to contribute. He'll be able to rebound. Uh, he's going to block some shots. So I think he's got extreme value at plus nine fifty on a team that's. I mean, I like what Charlotte did in the draft, so I'm pretty much higher on them. So I think they're a fringe playing team. Um, so if he can get there with Lamelo and they move off some, you know, Rozier and a couple of those other guys, Ubre is probably going to be gone. I think Miller is has extreme value at uh, at plus nine fifty. So that's the first bet I made. Um, I guess you want to go around the horn before we get into another one. Yeah, I think I, I want to mention that, you know, the first two names that I did cross off the list was Victor uh, for obvious reasons. Again, minus 225. And you talked about Spurs, that the, the whole load management thing that, yeah, it, it's it's a marathon with Victor versus a sprint, right? Like if if they're – obviously we don't think they're going to make the playoffs or even be a play in uh, – may, no, they may be a play-in tournament team. Who knows? But – I think at the end of the day, where it's if it's like twenty games left in the season, that um, they're they're more likely to sit Victor when Minyama than actually right. play him and go out right. to win a Rookie of the Year award, right? right? Yeah. So that's, that's my first thing. guy. Yeah. Well, my thing was is so my I think that if let's say for instance if he has a, a minor injury that you know he might be could miss a, a game or two, I think they yeah. might extend it and make him miss you know five or six just to be on the safer side. So I, I think you got to take that into consideration whenever you're handicapping this type of stuff, especially if you like him um, early on. Now you probably can get him at better odds when the season starts. You know, some guys are going to start off really, really hot and you'll have a chance to, you know, maybe buy low on him at, at like minus 125 or even at a plus price, depending on uh, how his season is going. But again, I just think he very cautious with him. Um, it's, it's a long, elongated season. Um, he's got to get his body back in order. He's not playing in the FIBA World Cup to focus on, you know, getting his body and mind right for the NBA. Uh, so I think you just got to take that in consideration. I think that, you know, maybe an ankle sprain, that uh, like a mild ankle sprain that could be out maybe like a week. I think they might take two weeks just to be cautious with him. So I took that in consideration whenever um, I was doing this also. Yeah. Um, and then the second guy, you mentioned it as well. I crossed off, crossed off the list was Amen Thompson just because being on the Rockets um, – not sure if he's going to get the amount of shots, right? I like again the rumors that there are in free agency for the Rockets that they do want to pick up guys like Fred Van Vliet and some veterans that maybe in that starting lineup. I don't think I'm not sure even if uh, Amen Thompson is going to be in that starting lineup for the Houston Rockets. Um, he still has to contend with guys like KPJ uh, coming off the bench, possibly also Cam Whitmore at 20 to one, right? I think I crossed that off the list as well. Um, uh, when I was looking at it, so I have agreement with you there. Uh, Scott, thoughts on Brandon Miller for the Hornets? Uh, Miller's probably my favorite option. And I know it's going to sound like a shock because I was against the pick for Charlotte, but you got to look very short-term for rookie of the year. And you mentioned some of the winners, but to even date back further than that, I don't actually know the exact answer to this. I'm not sure if it's ever happened. Has a bench player ever won rookie of the year? I highly doubt it. Uh, I'll kind of go through the list mm. as you're kind of talking. I was looking through the last like 15, 20 years. Everybody well, was a starter. So, so check this out. So with Lamelo, Lamelo started off. He wasn't starting at all. He wasn't even playing at at all. He came out from injury, right? No, no, no. He he was just not playing. Like he was out of the rotation. Um, oh, yeah. Starting okay. off, he he wasn't playing. Um, he for the first, I think like eleven or twelve games 
maybe even longer than that. He wasn't playing like that at all. Maybe like uh, sparingly, but he wasn't playing at all. He was coming off the bench, but then he got going. I think an injury to Rozier might have got him going and got him in there. But outside of that, I, you might be right. I don't think. I mean, I'm just. I got the I got the list pulled up right here, and it's all starters. Yeah, yeah. like I, I don't see anybody. Was that Brogdon a starter? I think Brogdon, Brogdon at Indiana, I believe, was a starter, but I'm I not. He was with Milwaukee. Sure. Oh, sorry. Yeah, with Milwaukee. Yeah, sorry. he, he, he yeah, was right. with Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm yeah, going back. No, I don't see, yeah, I don't see anybody. Uh, I'm trying to think if he was a starter back then. That was the one, maybe exception. Yeah, he was an outlier because he was a round two pick as well. I think that was just the one outlier kind of going down the list. But I mean, you kind of take a look at the names; like they're pretty much starters, right? Even after like uh, MCW, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, right? Even Tyreek Evans, Derrick Rose, Derek Rose Kevin Durant. Francis was he a starter? Yeah, Francis was a starter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was so maybe Brogdon's the exception there with Milwaukee, but still the point is, yeah, it's really a spot where you're looking for a guy who's immediately going to play a bunch of minutes and take a decent amount of shots. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I love Scoot. I think Scoot was obviously the player that I think Charlotte should have taken. Yeah, I hate him for this award because he's okay. not going to start. Just simply put, you have Lillard and you have Simons. Now both those guys get injured a lot, so you might see potentially Scoot become a threat to win the award, but I'd rather bet in midseason. I'd rather wait for Lillard yeah. or for That's Simons perfect. to get hurt, yep. but but Scoot will start the year off on the bench. Yeah, So I'm not picking him, and he shouldn't be the second favorite on the board. Now, Victor, in my opinion, is going to win. I'm not taking him at minus 200. That's not going to happen. Between Victor and the field, I'll take the field to plus money. But if you want to talk about the other options here, is Chet going to start? I think so. Yeah, I think he, I think, no think Jalen Williams will uh will be on the bench. The um the Arkansas Jalen Williams and Chet will start. Yeah. But again, how healthy is, is Chet, you know, coming back off of that injury? Yeah, no, that's a problem itself. But at the point is if I'm looking for value as a starter, if Chet's gonna start, I'm gonna make a case for it. I think Chet's gonna start. Yeah. So I think so too. I'll make a case for Chet at around plus five hundred, plus six hundred. Nowhere's my favorite option because even though once again I'm not the biggest fan of him long term. Charlotte's going to feed him the ball all the time. And Lamelo can take some shots, but he also is a good facilitator. I think Rozier's not going to be on the team anymore. Oubre might not be on the team anymore. Bridges should be playing, but there's some shots to be had, and I don't see Charlotte limiting his growth. Nobody on Charlotte plays defense anyway, so they're not going to hold it against Miller if he doesn't guard anybody. Mm-hmm. I think Miller's going to get a lot of shots off. He'll be able to have a good stat line. If I told you his rookie year, he averaged 17 and seven and a half would you be shocked not really no it sounds pretty standard so i think miller's in line for a pretty good year stats wise especially for this award at plus 900 thompson i think is interesting both of them i'm not interested in usar because i just feel like Cade's gonna have the ball the entire time yeah and i'm not sure if he's in it what i kind of like a sar better than than a man well i I was gonna say i'm in I really like his talent. The problem is I got to wait to see what Houston does in free agency. Yeah. So my point was Usar. I feel like his role is kind of established already because I haven't really heard Detroit being linked to anybody. Houston's linked to everybody. So I'm going to have to wait on Amen because I got to figure out what they're going to do with this team. If Houston brings in Van Vliet, for example, Amen has no value at all. But if Houston runs it with this current core, Maybe you can make a case. The point is, I don't see Amon's odds shifting depending on who Houston signs, and it should. 
So I'm going to wait to see what Houston does. But for the sake of this award right now, I'm skipping Victor. I think he's going to win, but with the game requirement, I can't take it. I'm not laying 200 on an award. Uh, Scoot, I'm not taking because he's going to start the year off as a bench player. And I, I think you get a better line midseason. Chet I'll take because I think he's going to start. And Miller I'm going to take because he is going to start. Besides that, though, I think that's the only two I have. Yeah, I think for, for Scoot, I wanted to get there with Scoot. But again, for the reasons that you did mention, is that you're number one going to get better odds for him during the regular season. Um, depending on what does transpire with Damian Lillard, that if he does get traded before the season starts or at the trade deadline, then you'll see Scoot get inserted into that starting lineup. Now, if Damian Lillard does get traded, or even if he does get injured for an extensive amount of time, like he has for the past couple of seasons, you'll see Scoot starting. I could see, easily see Scoot being a guy that averages 17 to 20 points per game if, again, Damian Lillard um, is not or with Simons. the team anymore or Simon's. But you wait 10, 15 games, his odds are going to go through the roof. Yeah. Um, I wanted. I think Chet was going to be my pick, but again, it's the injury concern for me that yeah. that kind of scares me away from him. Um, I do think that he's going to be that starting center for this Oklahoma City Thunder team. Like you know, Lante mentioned there that he's probably going to be taking one of the Williams spots uh, in that starting rotation. But I think for Chet, he's a threat of both on both sides of the basketball. Right? We know that offensively he can score points, but also I think defensively. He can block some shots for you. He can rebound the basketball for you, especially on a team that, again, we've talked about for the past several seasons that just doesn't have that true center or true rebounder on this roster. And I think Chet is a guy that can you know, get you 15, 17 points per game along with you know eight to nine rebounds per game and maybe two, two block shots per game. And I think that if he does average that, um, I think that he definitely will be in contention for that Rookie of the Year award. So, again, this OKC Thunder team, you know, we saw last year that they weigh a play-in tournament team, and now you add a guy like Chet Holmgren that maybe puts them in the, you know, seventh, eighth spot, still a play-in tournament team, but maybe gets into the uh, play-in tournament or probably gets into the playoffs as a seventh or eighth seed for this upcoming season. So um, those were, yeah, Chet I was con- uh, considering as well. I will give Chet as my official pick at plus 450. Um for the record, by the way, I think Chet will average roughly two blocks per game. I, I yeah. think that he's going to be a phenomenal rim protector. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess kind of further going down the line, I know, uh, Lonta, you had a couple more you wanted to give out, man. Why don't you, why don't you rip and run with those? Yeah, so just two. I know we got to get out of here. So just like two, um, I like Jalen Hushafino at 100 to 1, but don't bet it right now. Kind of wait and see what happens with D'Angelo Russell. Wait until um, Reeves goes somewhere else. Yeah, with Reeves, Hachimura. Because I believe that even if D'Angelo stays, I, I think that, that Hushifino will still be able to get the starting nod simply because he's a better decision maker. Um, pick and roll, he's a maestro at. Now, D, now D'Lo is really good on the pick and roll also. But again, defensively, he's horrible. We saw he couldn't even play um, in, in certain stretches in that Memphis series and also against Denver. Um, Jalen is, is a better defender than him right now, and he's a better decision maker. I think those two things, he's got a high IQ. He played in a pro system with Mike Woodson. I think that's a good um, sign going to the next level. So I think he's going to blow um, – I think he's going to blow it out of the water as far as how well he orchestrates the offense and being able to be on a winning team. I think the Lakers have a shot to to be a top five seed uh, in the West next year, uh, with you know if you know LeBron and, and AD are healthy. That's a big if. But again, 
I think he'll have more spotlight on him. You know, the media will be more so on the Lakers, as we all know. So if he shines and can average, you know, anywhere from, I would say, like 10 and 6, 10 and 5, 11 and 5, I think that's a solid year for a winning team. Again, empty stats on, on a bad team, they don't equate to what 11 and 7 on a top five in the West with all that, you know, spotlight on you in, in Los Angeles. So I think at 100 to 1, Decent bet right now, but kind of wait to see what shakes out with Austin Reeves, um, D'Angelo Russell, and, and Hachimura because they do have a log jam, uh, probably like eight or nine players that I want to see what happens with. Um, so I, I like Hachifino at, at 100 to 1. I also like Lively at 110 to 1. I mean, again, like to, to both of you guys' points, he's going he to be a starter. Yeah, he's going to be a starter. He's going to be a starter. He's going to be, he's going to have to impact the game. They're going to need him to rebound, block shots, and rim run. I think he'll get 10 points just off of being in the right place at the right time. Uh, it's as simple as put. Pick and rolls with, uh, with Luca and Kyrie. Lob, lobs. He runs the floor really, really well. Again, his, his stats don't show it at Duke, but he's just decent offensive player i mean i just think that filipowski was was more so the focal point in that offense and lively was being hurt maybe hindered his offensive ability and they wanted him to be more of a defensive anchor but i think that can help him here also i think he has potential to be you know a block and a half kind of guy so if he can average a double double block and a half and the mavericks can finish you know within that top six range uh i think he has a real good shot again these are long odds um it's, it's, it's worth a shot. I think Lively and Jalen Hitchfino are, are pretty good bits at those long guys. Do you think yeah, Walker or Kubali or Kulabali are going to start? No. Well, I think – well, maybe I Walker think, will later. I, I, I was going to only say Walker, but then I realized they were traded for each other, so I might as well ask both. Yeah. Uh, Kulabali, I think he'll play. I think he'll play. I mean – It's because Washington's going to be bad. That's why That's right, why I was wondering. Right. But uh, He might not start, but he'll play starters minutes. I would say. Do you think Walker's going to start? Because I looked at him at 28 to 1. I don't think he's going to win the award, but I wanted to mention it because you can argue Indiana does have some options at mm-hmm. the big man you know, positions, but I am curious if you think he potentially is worth maybe a flyer at 28 to 1. I'm leaning no, but I think he might get a decent amount of playing time. And you also have the Halliburton assist angle where he's yeah. going to get the pa- he's going to get a lot of passes near the rim. Yeah, I kind of want to see what they do with that roster. Also, if they're going to move Buddy Hill, Miles Turner, they don't have a traditional center. Uh, Jalen Smith was playing center for them, so yeah. if they can slide, if they, so the thing was with um, with Walker was they believed that he he's a shot maker. Although he didn't show it at Houston, they believe in high school he was more of a shot maker. Who's so going to be he, away from the basket? Yeah, so I think if you okay. slide turn into the five and he gets in there, you know, pick and roll. You mentioned it with, with Holly Burton uh, on the wing. I mean. It's a solid spot, and again, if they trade Miles Turner, then his upside and usage goes up. So uh, I don't hate it. Uh, just want to kind of see what shakes out with that roster. And he's not going to be a, a big scorer. And depending on how you feel about Indiana, they they are in the East. Um, they they were fringe playing, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, Halliburton got hurt, and they kind of yeah. fell off the face of the earth. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Um, I, I think this, I think that's a solid bet. But again, kind of want to wait to see what they do with the roster. I think at some point the Pacers are going to have to trade uh, Turner and Hill. Didn't they just pay him? They did. Uh, Turner? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they, you can still game get traded extension. too, right? Yeah. yeah they That's what I'm saying. I don't think they're going to trade him this year. He, he, Turner, Turner played well, man. He played he extremely good. well. Both sides, both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah still gets hurt all the time, but he's still yeah. a solid player. Yeah. Two-year uh, extension, $58 million uh, through 2024-2025. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm I not taking with, Walker, but I wanted to bring up the name. I, I like I like I like Walker. I didn't I didn't think about it, but that's that's a decent. Well, you said he's going to be a shooter, and I don't think he can shoot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it, as well as they think. Yeah, I mean, so. throughout the draft process, a lot of people were just basically saying that his shooting upside was a, a lot higher than what we saw in Houston. Because again, in Houston, you know, he's more pick and pop, uh, yeah. and you know, face to the basket. Samson wasn't allowing him to shoot, you know, three or four threes a game with Sasser and um, I forgot the other guard's name. Um, uh, on the backcourt, I forgot his name, but yeah, they weren't allowing him to shoot like that. So he more so played his role. And in high school, he was more of a shooter, um, a stretch four. So maybe that's what they're looking for. That's what I was reading all throughout the draft. Uh, for you talking about the uh, Cougars uh, guards? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, Jamal. Uh, Jamal. Uh, Shed. Yeah, Shed. Yeah, Shed. There you Shed, go. Shed Sasser and uh, Arcee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Scott, do you have any other ones you want to throw out, or any long shots you want to discuss? Not really. I don't mind the lively pick if you think that Dallas is actually going to start him. Uh, they also acquired Rashawn Holmes, though, right? Yeah, yes. but I doubt he plays. Yeah, maybe a backup. I'm just wondering if Holmes is going to start the year as the starter. So we'll see. Now, lively, I criticized him at Duke because he, he has no offensive talent at all. He's a rim runner. That's it. He can't really finish at all. And I don't. I'm not sure if he's a great screener, to be honest with you. So I am curious how he's going to initially play. Foul is a concern as well. But if you're looking for an 110 to one shot, that would be my long shot pick. Is it going to win? No, I'm just going to tell you right now because he's going to average like six points a game. But still, I think you can make an argument with Luca and Kyrie and the amount that he's going to need to play because they have no rim protection at all. It makes sense. But my main two picks, the only two picks I'm going to have money on as of right now would be Chet and Brandon, Brandon Miller. And at some point when the Lillard or Simons get hurt, I'll add something on Scoot. Yeah, I agree. Um, one more name. I know you mentioned this and you really love them and you had him going to the Jazz, Lante, was uh, Keontae George. Um, do we see a world where at around 75, 85 to 1 that he can get this award? Again, it's going to depend on if Jordan yeah. Clarkson and or Colin mm-hmm. Sexton are still going to be around on this team. But well, first of all, just to ask, who do you like more, George or Hendricks? Because they both are options for this. Yeah, sport. I like George. I don't, I don't like. I don't, I'm not a big fan of okay. Hendricks. Yeah, so start George from there. Well. Sorry, I just wanted yeah. to mention that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan George of well. Hendricks. Uh, go ahead, Lante. Yeah, I mean, look, I liked him a lot better when John Collins wasn't there because again, that's a guy that they're paying. So I mean, they're obligated to you know, play him way more than, than a rookie. So maybe they have uh, George being more so like on the back burner and learning and coming in in certain periods. And again, I think that I think that the Jazz are going to compete for a playoff spot, not play in. I think they're going to compete for a playoff spot. Now, their backcourt is a, is a thing, but he, he's not a ball handler or like he, he can't orchestrate an offense. He's a, a scorer. He's a, he's a, you know, a big forward uh, similar to, I would say I compare him to a scoring version of Scotty Barnes, just with less defense. He doesn't play defense at the level of Scotty Barnes. Um, but I liked it a lot better when Collins wasn't there because um, they still have Horton Tucker there. Um, they still have, you know, Clarkson. Uh, they were talking about trading Sexton again, but Sexton is more of a point guard. So a lot of mouths to feed. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Hendricks, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. So I kind of want to see how the roster plays out. I want to see him play in summer league also to see if he's developed more um, into a orchestrator and being able to distribute the ball. But at seventy-five to one, I did look at it before the Collins trade, but I had to mark it off um, simply because I maybe his minutes are lower here. 
All right. Uh, that'll wrap it up for our 2023 NBA Rookie of the Year betting odds picks. Again, we'll revisit this more after we'll uh, we'll see some of these guys uh, in summer league action. But as for our very early picks, um, it's usually sometime or most of the time the uh, the chalkier picks, as we discussed on this episode. Um, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Not really. Swept my tennis podcast, which is nice. Uh, besides that, did the WNBA show right before this. So if you do want some picks for tonight, do have some WNBA action for you. Uh, besides that, though, yeah, I got the MLB show coming up later. A lot of sports going on. A lot of fun. Yep. Lance, anything else, my man? Nah, man, I'm going to get back to the Summer League Power Rankings. That's about it. <laughs> there you go, man. I feel like Lante's old school like me and writes everything down on it. A- I do, bro. I do. <laughs> you, see me with the, you see me with the sheet? Like, I got, I got, like, I got, like, sheets everywhere with, like, crazy stuff on I wasn't there. sure if you'd have, like, the yellow notepad type of notebook. The one that got, lifts upwards, not side to side. Bro, I, I, do, I do have one of those. You do have uh, one of those. Look, I got like note card, like all kind of like old stuff. I got the post and everything okay. over there. Literally. Bro, because I, I, I just post them here just so I for, just so I can remember like I date stuff with them. Now I'm picturing you with a conspiracy board behind you, but it's only <laughs> summer league rosters. It's just you trying to like figure out who's going to yeah. be on which seriously, uh, starting though, seriously, lineup. Seriously, man. Seriously. Yeah. But I do, I, you know, I'm I'm into the XL thing too. But again, you have the pieces of string that attach through like the, you know. <laughs> Yeah, my yeah. my notepad is the one that goes uh, up and down. Like yeah, that's yeah, what I, yeah, yeah I, I got one of those too. I just can't I just can't find it right now. I don't know where to. Find I'm it. a Google Docs guy through and through, so that's kind of yeah. what I stick. I with. am too, but I, but sometimes I can't get to it, and I don't want to. You know, I got it on my phone also, but I think it's better if I write it down so I can. Yeah, you know, I get transcribe it. it, go into the spreadsheet. But yeah, man. All right, guys, make sure to subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast YouTube uh, page over on, obviously, YouTube. Just hit that subscribe button. Uh, we'll be here all throughout the offseason, at least, uh, hopefully, at least twi- uh, twice a week. We'll get into some of the awards. We'll talk about summer league stuff. If there's summer league betting odds, we'll, we'll discuss those as well for sure. But uh, also follow us on our NBA Gambling Podcast Twitter account at, uh, NB- at SGPNNBA. Uh, follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can follow Lante on Twitter at XXLanteXX. Follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. We'll be back later in this week. Maybe talk about some free agency stuff uh, with free agency right around the corner. Till then, good luck with your bets. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball. Get it, get it, get it.